Welcome, everybody, to Nerd Critic, a real contender production. My name is CJ. And I am Jordan. CJ is our resident nerd. I am. I'm, I'm pretty nerdy. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like, impressively nerdy. Yeah, yeah. Like, I admire your nerdiness. Nerd. Thank you. Yeah. I, I try to be, like a, like, a socially capable nerd, though, you know? Yeah. Uh, I think you do a pretty good job. I do all right? All yeah. Right. All right. Um, I, today, you want to know what I'm wearing? I do want to know what you're wearing today. I'm, it's, um, <clears throat> it's actually a Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them shirt. Oh, hey, I see yeah. that. Yeah. And it's, that? The con- it's kind of shiny. The Magical Congress of the United States yeah. of America. Makuza. Makuza. Yes. That's fantastic. Yes. It uh, is very with, shiny. You know, with the regular Superman socks, Superman sure. belt. And you, how many pairs of Superman socks again? Uh, oh, shoot, now I gotta remember what I said last time. It's in the range of thirteen. <laughs> so many. It's yeah. It always takes me by surprise. I always expect <laughs> like four or five, and yeah, I, I forget. I forget the number, and then you say it, and I'm yeah, like, no. wait, that's, that's it's enough, up there. It's enough yeah. pairs of Superman socks to wear a different pair every and, day for like two weeks. Yeah, and come Christmas, I get, I guarantee, I'll, I'll come back and report to you if I get at least one pair. Guarantee, I do more Superman socks. Yeah. Yeah. So Jordan here is our uh, studied and credentialed critic uh, with quite the impressive repertoire. Not is that what does that word work there? I have no idea actually. That oh. repertoire is a isn't that like a, a isn't that like a collection of performances that you're capable of putting on? Yeah, that makes sense. So I think. Yeah, sure. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like it's almost I applicable. Can, if it's I can not. perform any criticism. <laughs> When yes, it comes you can. to movies and TV. Yes, you can. What are we talking about today? Oh, 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 wait. Okay, we're waiting. So I have a cough, listeners. A cough when you're recording a podcast is not a good thing. Yes. So I have throat lozenges. Um, They're called cough drops. Th- that too. <laughs> uh, and so if you hear the occasional rapper or weirdness in my voice, it's because I have a lozenge. Duly or a cough drop in my in my mouth. Duly anyway, noted. Jordan, what are we talking about today? Well, first of all, I want to know, is there a cough drop in your mouth? Oh, it's going in. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask if there was a cough drop in your mouth already uh, because I couldn't tell if there was one and, and there wasn't. And now there is. Now there is. So from now on, listeners, listen. <laughs> Don't, like, figure it out. For CJ's you know I mean? lozenge. Mm. Um, okay. So today we are talking about... Uh, Well, this is an overall Spider-Man episode, and I think in the past we have talked about the Spider-Man property. More the business side of Spider-Man. Yeah, we talked about, like, who owns the franchise and how that's been handled and where that's going. And and I think this was primarily in conjunction with Venom. But uh, the Spider-Verse rolls around again with a movie called Into the Spider-Verse. Yeah. Uh, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. And so what we decided to do is, is actually have a little, uh, just a little brief conversation about all of the movies that have come out about Spider-Man up to this point. Because there have been a lot. There have been a lot. And, I mean, in, in our lifetime, there Rivals have, Batman. Um, yeah, not in the lifetime of the franchise, but definitely in recent years. Yeah, like yeah. in the number of Spider-Men there have been. Yeah, oh yeah. Rivals, but it doesn't beat. Yeah. Batman still beats you, it. You have, you have six Spider-Man... See, there it was. It got, it got caught under my tongue. It's okay. It sounded weird. Uh, there's been six Spider-Man movies that have been Spider-Man titled movies, not including Into the Spider-Verse. Yeah. Uh, although Spider-Man showed up in, you know, Captain America Civil War and yeah. the Avengers and things like that. Yeah. So he is familiar to us. Yes, he's familiar. And so we figured it was worth just talking about um, the incarnations of Spider-Man in modern, in very modern cinema. I mean, really since the early 2000s. So we're not ta- we're not going way back here. We're just mm-hmm. going to be talking about the movies that most of us are familiar with. Um, and so uh, we're talking about the because why CJ? Well, because we already, we already said it. Yeah, because of uh, because the of into the yeah in, yeah into the Spider Verse. Um, and it's also applicable to nerd critic. I mean, it is a, a solid nerd. Uh, topic and really any movie is applicable to nerd That's critic, true. but like, but like we get uh, we get special bonus points, um, special bonus points that um, no one awards and are <laughs> worth nothing um, for doing episodes about comic book yep. uh, themed movies, and I enjoy it. So yeah, yeah the the whole Spider Man most for most people their Spider Man love probably started in two thousand two. Yeah, Sam Raimi 
um, starring Tobey Maguire and uh, Kirsten Dunst and Willem Dafoe and James Franco. Great names. Yeah. yeah no, not, not a bad. great, great cast. Uh, um, great movie. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. Uh, and I remember seeing that movie in the theater, and at the end of the movie, my mom said, if any of you, to three boys, if any of you become superheroes, you have to tell me. <laughs> so we committed to my mom in that moment to it's tell It's a her. really good origin story. Let's talk about that first movie for a minute here, because I remember... Um, well, we, I think we've talked in previous episodes about why it was so stunningly successful in the box office. But um, but just just as a movie, um, I think that it's worth pointing out that Sam Raimi was not a new director. Um, he uh, Sam Raimi is a has a, a great history of of filmmaking. He's he's got a great I wanted to say pedigree, but that's the wrong word. He's got a great repertoire. <laughs> Of movies, um, he is. He was um, primarily, I believe, a horror director before the Spider-Man movies came out. So an interesting choice for Spider-Man, but mm-hmm. I think it totally worked. Um, there was there was real stylistic direction in that movie. Um, you know, it didn't feel uh, prepackaged. If you go back and watch it, you know, it, it it feels. I won't say it feels like an auteur film, but it definitely has director di- directorial voice in it. Um, which is really refreshing, and it's one of the reasons I think that Spider-Man one and two, and to some degree three, but especially one and two, still stand up as some of the best superhero movies that have been made. Still, yeah, yeah. Sam Raimi, you're looking at like um, the the Evil Dead and Army of Darkness, yeah. which really uh, cult fantastic. Favorites. And the reason those movies are cult favorites is because Sam Raimi um, is because he does have such a strong voice. Um, he's very clever. Uh, he's very uh, he loves to, he loves to do things. Uh, he puts style a little bit ahead of substance, just mm-hmm. in the right places, yeah. so that you'll remember. Um, and it, and yeah, those movies are you know they're not classic horror movies. They're you know sort of genre bending horror movies. Yeah. Um, and so you know Sam Raimi also really loves kind of absurdist comedy, which really comes across in the Spider-Man movies, which is super fun. Um, without without detracting from the drama, the drama or the narrative tension. Yeah, there's always going to be some level of campiness when it comes to superheroes. Um, I mean that that was pretty well established, starting with um, you know '60s Batman. Yeah, and yeah. and just like laid on thick within comic books and then in media as well. Sam Raimi seemed to honor that without making fun of it. Yeah, which is really hard to do. Um, but I think that he wrote that line well. And I mean, like in the second movie, right? You have a guy who is fused to eight mechanical arms, <laughs> and his name happens to be Octavius, right? So Doc Ock is born. So, so Sam definitely has this sort of like bear hug, wet kiss approach to, <laughs> um, to the, the material that he's treating. And, and it really does, it serves the material really well because you, what he does, what, what you get is world building. You don't get something that's like, oh, well, this is New York that you are familiar with. It's like, no, this is New York that's loosely based on the New York that you're familiar with, but it's its own world. He is building a world in which it's okay for a man named Dr. Octavius to get fused to eight robotic arms. Um, And and the same same with the Green Goblin, you know, and Willem Dafoe's Mm -hmm. just scene-chewing performance of you know being just nozzle yeah being so hard. A, yeah just like just like a just like a dog with a rawhide um, with his sort of bipolar Jekyll and Hyde thing going on really great stuff and it's uh, it, it's a it's a pleasure to watch because Sam Raimi is not trying to he's not trying to do anything too much he's just sort of he's he's touching the things that need to be touched yeah <laughs> um, and he's doing it with affection and with a lot of skill and finesse. And uh, and yeah, and great a great cast, great performances. I will say, uh, you know, Spider Man is the thing that put Tobey Maguire on the map. Mm-hmm. It's the reason Tobey Maguire became a like an international uh, superstar, uh, and that's unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was gonna ask how you felt about Tobey Maguire because he, <laughs> he he rubs me the wrong way for sure. Okay, well, full disclosure, and this is not fair to Tobey Maguire. <laughs> I recognize that, but I don't care. Uh, I just finished reading Molly's Game. Um, and if you've seen the movie Molly's Game, the character that Michael Cera was ba- that pl- uh, the character Michael Cera played was based on Tobey Maguire. I don't know if oh, you know. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's in the book. Like, if you read Mo- Molly's Game, 
it's she doesn't call him Playwright. She calls him Toby. <laughs> his name really? Is Toby. Yeah. Interesting. And uh, yeah, it turns out to be a giant a hole. Um, but so I, I don't. Uh, is that know, how you view him now? Well, I didn't like him before <laughs> as as an actor. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I I think he pretty well ruined Great Gatsby. Um, uh, and Man, or, you, you just you just pissed off so many people. Boz Lerman's Great Gatsby, which had so many wonderful qualities, but also had Tobey Maguire. It's true, and it was a real unfortunate turn. And I and I you know I think that Tobey Maguire may be technically a good actor. It's hard for me to say. I think he did a great job with the Spider-Man franchise. Um, there's a couple of other movies that I've watched and like I've been fine with him in. But just, there's something about him yeah. that at a certain point it's like. It's like I can't watch that guy on screen anymore. And it was before, you know, Molly's Game came out, and we we learned Tobey Maguire actually is a, a soulless maniac. But like, you know, before that, uh, you know, there was there is something it's, distasteful about yeah, him. Yeah, I um, so I had a lot of love for for Spider Man um, growing up. So my 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 superhero of choice is is Superman, but my best friend's superhero of choice was Spider Man. So like almost through osmosis, <laughs> I knew a lot about Spider Man before the movies, um, and and we talked about him a lot, uh, and and I loved him. So to see Tobey Maguire take on that role, I was super bummed because <laughs> um, I haven't liked Tobey Maguire really since day one. And it's I, I don't know like if somebody asks me what don't you like about him, I don't know. I don't he, know if I can does. place it. He just kind of rubs you the wrong way. It's just like yeah. Uh. I didn't I didn't mind him in Spider Man. I didn't mind him in Spider Man really at all. In in all all three movies, there wasn't a point at which I was like, man, I wish they'd found a different Spider Man. I just it was after Spider Man that I was like, yeah, I don't like this guy. But yeah. bef- but in Spider Man, I was fine. I think, it, I, and I think it's largely due to you know having not been familiar with any with him or with anything in the franchise, having not been familiar at all. Yeah. And and I think once again, I'm going to give credit to Sam Raimi where it's due. Um, with the way that 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 movie came together and the way it was handled, um, the franchise, I should say, the way the franchise was handled, uh, <coughs> I really think that Toby has a pretty good opportunity to, to disappear into Peter Parker, and I I really like. I really like what how how it goes, but uh, so I actually didn't mind Tobey Maguire's Peter Parker. Uh, one of the defining characteristics of Spider-Man is that he's like he's supposed to be when he puts the mask on. He's supposed to be nearly as quippy as Deadpool, <laughs> right? He's supposed yeah. to be funny. He's supposed to be like a a teenager. That's why he was created was to was to connect with the teenage audience. Sure. Um, and and Tobey Maguire does well being the outcast at school. Uh, but then I just I was not convinced with the quippiness. I just it was a voiceover, and I just didn't I don't know. It just didn't jam. Uh, it is worth noting though that uh, this was a very notable performance for the Oscar winner J.K. Simmons <laughs> as J. Jonah Jameson. If you knew that character at all, you knew that he knocked it out of the park. Perfect yeah. fit. Okay. Perfect sure. fit. No um, question. Which is, which is great. All right, yeah. so let's let's move on to the amazing Spider-Man. Well, first, before we totally move on, I wanna I wanna point out just two things. I want to I want to. This is like the mini, mini, mini bite size version. This is the um, tapas version <laughs> of nerding out and criticism, criticizing. So the first thing I want to nerd out about is that in Spider-Man Two, which a lot of people love the most of all out of all the Spider-Man movies, and and you know some people put it up in contention as the best superhero movie of all time. For many reasons, um, the moment in that movie that is that is profound and wonderful and truly is, I think, one of the greatest moments in all Superman or superhero movies is when Mister Spider-Man, without his mask even, is pull, is holding the trains together, um, and it like almost kills him, and then he sort of like crowd surfs yeah. across the train. That scene, and I know, like, I'm not alone here. <laughs> that, that is a, that is one of the iconic scenes from that whole franchise. Um, and I think it deserves to be. It's so beautifully handled. Um, it's just absolutely wonderful. And then the thing I needed, I wanted to criticize, is that in the third, the third movie, which I think is vilified for a lot of reasons, I think the main issue with the third movie um, was just too many villains. And it's unfortunate because I think that there was a lot of things that were working really well uh, in Spider-Man Three, and I and I wish that Spider-Man Three could sort of take its place in the Spider-Man 1, 2, and 3, sort of that, you know, because people really like or respect, like and respect Spider-Man 1. People love Spider-Man 2. And I think Spider-Man 3 should have been in that family. But now people kind of, like, just 
you know, it's sort of bandwagoned, hated. And I think the only reason is because it was bloated with villains. So Absolutely bloated. It, it was bloated with villains. I think the number one problem. I think that you could pull off those three villains because it was three It was three major it's villains. too many. Um, two is too many. Two is too many. And and But the thing is that um, the Sandman was great. The you should ar- have excised him completely. Totally. The arc of him was fantastic. So it's, that's not the issue. Yeah. The issue of Spider-Man 3... Is Topher Grace's Venom as as Eddie Brock? <laughs> well, here's the thing, I don't, I don't dislike Topher Grace at all. I think he's a good actor. I, I don't either, but it's just I, I, it and, I, not... and I don't and, and I didn't have any connection to Venom before I came in. Like many people who were going to see sure. that movie, the vast majority of the audience didn't come in with expectations about who Venom should be. So I, I mean. Like, if you're going to compare him to Tom Hardy, like, well, duh. You know? Sure. Tom Hardy is the greatest of anything ever. But, like, <laughs> but, but Topher Grace, I think, he, it would have been fine. It would have been fine if Venom had actually had a role in the movie yeah. that mattered. But he was competing with, I don't even remember what the third one was. There was Venom and there was, was Sandman. and was there was James Franco turns into the, oh, yeah. the new Goblin. Real unfortunate. Yeah. So, like, really... There, that that was so that was very poorly handled. I, I you know I, I even back then I was like you know if they had just one hundred percent removed every scrap of evidence of Sandman. I mean like I, like you said he was great. Like just well you're out saying take him out entirely. Oh, completely. No 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 no. I I think take out the other two leave him in. Oh well fine if you're gonna but you gotta pick. You do have to pick. You I think pick. that he had the most potential. So maybe take Venom out completely. You, leave Venom for the next movie. Sure. <laughs> make four of them. I don't care. Yeah, but, yeah. but make three good. Yeah no yeah. I yeah I totally I totally agree. Okay so anyway I think at the time I, I really liked the idea of Venom and I was like man I I would love you know if I never get to see Venom again at least in the third movie but I was thinking. Yeah. Who's the Sandman character? Even though I, yeah. I love Thomas Hayden Church, he's yeah, like amazing. And, but the the I mean, Sandman, no question. Sandman is <sighs> Sandman. Marvel's Sandman. Want to specify? Because <laughs> if you're going to look up Sandman in the comics, you will be directed to Vertigo's Sandman, <laughs> which is a critically acclaimed, really successful comic book. Marvel's Sandman villain. Um, made of sand. Made of sand. <laughs> and is a man. I just want to make sure that if you're Googling things, you know what you're looking at. So sand, Marvel Sandman uh, is no question a smaller villain than Venom is. Venom is the Lex Luthor, the Joker yeah. to Spider-Man. Sure. Um, that's why, so that's why I say, like, it was inevitable that they were going to do villains for, sure. the, for, the, for the, the third of yeah. three. For the, yeah, they needed you know, The Venom ending of a trilogy, they're yeah. going to have Venom. They could have done without... Sandman entirely, and they could have handled the uh, James Franco thing, and uh, it could have been complementary to the Venom character rather yeah. than kind of there was. I, just I also of would have. I also would have loved to enjoy. I don't remember if the second one hinted at James Franco's character, um, Harry Osborn becoming. It says on IMDb, it says the new Goblin, uh, which yeah. is he was I mean, always he was the, the hobgoblin. hobgoblin. Yeah. To the, which is after the Green Goblin. Yeah. So anyway. anyway, whatever. So, so uh, the, but you're right. The second um, going back to the second movie and that iconic moment. Yeah. Um, ex- extremely well handled because it 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 showed the character of Spider Man that um, Doc Ock was getting away uh, and it it didn't his mask was off. None of that mattered. What mattered was he is going to kill himself in order to save the innocent. Mm-hmm. And that was that was everything that Uncle Ben taught him. Yeah. With with that power comes that responsibility. It was a it was a pinnacle moment in the character uh, and I really enjoyed it as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well said. Um so with that we move on to The Amazing Spider-Man. The Amazing Spider-Man. This one is controversial. Yes. People love it or people hate it. I'm curious where you're at. Oh, well, now I'm curious where you're at. <laughs> um, I actually, so, I, I come from a place of, of great love for this entire franchise. I, I love Spider-Man 1. I love Spider-Man 2. I really like Spider-Man 3, other than the problems that we've discussed. And uh, I really love The Amazing Spider-Man. And I really love The Amazing Spider-Man 2. I like all of them. I, and I I really loved Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man. I Recognizing that he once again was a misfire for what people's expectations for Spider-Man should or could be. But my gosh, how charming was The Amazing Spider-Man as a love story? Like, between Spider-Man and... Mary, uh, Spider-Man and uh, no, not Mary Jane. Um, 
Stacy. Quinn Stacy, yes. Yeah. Uh, really, just absolutely lovely. And I mean, Emma Stone is like, you know, unstoppable. Yeah. And it was one of the most successful romantic comedies. You know, of that year. Yeah. And happened to also be, like, a really fun Spider-Man movie. So I was very into it. I really liked it a lot. I love the Amazing Spider-Man movies. <laughs> Good. I so, <laughs> so I see where people have issue with it. I see that Andrew Garfield is too good-looking. He's not a nerd. Sure. He's too smart. Like, there's just... He's never... He doesn't appeal to the outcast teenager that Spider-Man used to appeal to. But I don't think that they were going for that. So I'm okay with an update of character. There's a lot of stuff done in the Marvel Cinematic Universe that are that's not in the comics. The movie Captain America Civil War has very little to do with the actual comic book Civil War. <laughs> it, like even even secret identities in the Marvel Universe don't exist. There has to be a modern-day updates, and I didn't mind the modern-day updates that they gave to Peter Parker in The Amazing Spider-Man. Agreed. Agreed. And I think that, uh, you know, if you're going to reboot a franchise, it better be way different from the first one. And, and it, was. it was. It yeah. was really, really different. And um, I really appreciated that a lot. Uh, I think that, once again, I'm going to go back to, um, you know, Mark Webb. Uh, the the, the which, sort of directorial voice, which is which is kind of ironic. Yeah, right. So Mark, so his Mark name Webb. is Mark Webb. <laughs> like for sure, in very initial pitch meetings that came out. <laughs> um, but like, what an interesting choice because here's a guy who was probably at that point in his career most famous for. Do you know? Five hundred days of summer. Yeah, which was one of the most successful romantic comedies of the last you know several years before it. So like, you're good. You they are. They are intentionally bringing in a rom- uh, uh, sort of a somewhat edgy romantic comedy director to do The Amazing Spider-Man. I think it was a really smart choice. Yeah, and it, and it shows in yeah. The Amazing Spider-Man. The, uh, I mean, one of the 500 Days of Summer's most uh, obvious strengths is the, the chemistry between the two leads. Absolutely. And Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone. Boy. Man. It's just all over the place. Oozes off yeah, of them. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Um, I re- oh, yeah, I mean, you're making me want to go back and watch that movie again. Me too. Um, it's, it's really, really fun. Uh, the, the, the gripe that I might have um, against The Amazing Spider-Man... Um, it really has to do with, uh, and I think it's it was the first one, right? Where, the, where um, the lizard was the villain. Yeah. Um, so it's the, it's just the way you said that it, the lizard. So it's it's it's, it's <laughs> tough. It's tough. Like, and this is the thing for me. This has been the thing that's sort of one of the primary issues with the Spider-Man fran- franchise and Sam Raimi once again handling it so well by building this world and making it like just not familiar enough. To, to buy into the idea that we're in a kind of a fantasy world here um, and, you know, and things aren't too close to Earth, if that makes sense. But, um, but Spider-Man villains suck, man. <laughs> like, they, they're, just, they're just bad. The lizard? I mean, give me a break. You, like, it's you also a, have, the villain <laughs> is a lizard man. A lizard man. You also have Vulture and Scorpion. Do you know what the villains are? <laughs> Do you know what the villains are in the Church of Scientology? Lizard people. <laughs> so I'm. I mean, I, it's a struggle for me to to feel a lot of anything about the villain. I like to me in the Amazing Spider-Man, all the weakest scenes were the ones in which uh, Spider-Man had to fight the Lizard Man. <laughs> those, those were the weakest scenes. Yeah. I, I. I. So something that I enjoyed that I really. Uh, appreciated about the Amazing Spider-Man movies is that Spider-Man fought like a spider. Okay. Like the way that he moved was more was he crawled and he was kind of creepy and he was nimble. Yeah. Uh, and that was the case in Sam Raimi's Spider-Man, but it was definitely a it was man more, fighting. It was more so, yeah. Yeah, and it was yeah. and it was it was just kind of dialed up and he was rarely on the ground. Yeah. And well, you're focusing on a lot of good strengths here. My once again, my issue is that he was spider. Sure, I'm uh, the lizard man. So I'm getting to that, okay. right? Spider-Man. What, what what year do you think Spider Man came to be? Well, that I mean, here, like, I understand that this is an artifact of the era. Like, sure. I understand that, like, nineteen sixty two, just to throw the sixties, of course. I mean, and I would have guessed, I would have guessed the mid mid to late sixties. I was I was off by a couple years, but uh, yeah, the sixties was the era of lizard people as yeah. villains. Like, yeah. I, I I get that, I get that. Um, I 
coincidentally, I think the 60s is when Scientology came into existence. <laughs> I just, so, you know, all kinds of connections. Um, anyway, point is, uh, it's a weakness that cannot be gotten away from. Although, you know, I, I preferred Green Goblin to some degree. Sure. Uh, I, I do think felt that... a little bit less sort of like sci-fi hokey. Yeah. But anyway. I do think that there, there are... So, <laughs> so we've talked about this off microphone mm-hmm. quite a bit. Yeah. The, the, the stories and the plot devices of comic books and the issues that you have with them. Yes. Um, I do think that every, nearly, nearly every popular superhero has one intriguing villain. At least. Batman has multiple, and that's what makes Batman Batman. Yeah. Um, but I think that, that you're looking at Venom and or Carnage mm-hmm. for Spider-Man. Oh, sure. But that's also the most difficult to pull off. Right. Just like the Joker is the most difficult to pull off for right. ba- Batman. Um, and well, I, are, you, are you suggesting that it's the most difficult to pull off because it requires real storytelling skills? <laughs> um. Why would it be difficult? Well, maybe, maybe that is what I'm saying. Uh, yes, because, complicated villains mm. be, because they because <laughs> the relationship between the hero and villain is complex, and that's what makes them a good villain. Yeah, um, I so it makes it difficult to approach. It's a lot easier to pitch a movie with like, yeah, the bad guy's a lizard. <laughs> And Spider-Man yeah. just beats him. It's yeah, okay. And yeah. what's he, what, what his his plot? What's he want? What, what does he want to do? He want to make everybody lizard people. Yeah, he wants to make everybody a lizard person. <laughs> yeah, I was the Amazing Spider-Man really just an allegory for the Church of Scientology? <laughs> <laughs> I think it might have been because <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's what. Uh, oh, I shouldn't speak about that. Yeah. I don't really actually know that much about the Church of Scientology. I apologize. Uh, also, that they if we were popular enough, they'd probably shut us down. After that's this that's true. Um, okay, <laughs> so uh, moving on to The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Same problem. Same problem, but uh, there was like this sort of full-throated expression of love <laughs> for the hokiness. Um, putting Jamie Foxx into this just... It was bad. 100%. No, I won't say bad. (laughs) I will say absurd. Intentionally absurd. You think it wasn't intentional? I do believe, like, if you watch... I think that if you watch Spider-Man, The Amazing Spider-Man 2, there's a point in the third act where you have to sit back and say, either... uh, Well, it it seems... It's it's so... Ah, man, what am I trying to say? Either it was from a movie from a different era, or they were trying so hard to to just really like call attention to themselves, like how ridiculous this is. Sure. Like, and if you watch, if you watch, uh, like it sort of it ramps up to this sort of fever pitch of absurdity, so that by the end, when there's this final showdown between. Spider-Man and um, is it? Uh, I should have Electro. Electro. I was yeah. going to say Electro. Electro. Um, it's hilarious, and I think it's supposed to be. It's like Electro is such a, an absurd villain, and his like his origin story is absurd. The way he talks is absurd. Everything about him is absurd, and I think that at some point they were like, well, because in the Amazing Spider-Man, the first one, there was an effort to sort of ground the the lizard. There was an effort to make sure. him grounded, almost and relatable. Yeah, yeah. To, to to make well, yeah. I mean, a sympathetic villain is a good villain, right? Um, in you know, in the Amazing yeah, Spider-Man sure. two, it's almost like they were like, nah, let's just he's let's a go crazy. He's a silly so, Electro man, like, <laughs> he is. and he's going to be, and he's so let's make him operatically silly, and he was, and I think if you watch it as sort of like a self-aware comedy, it's really effective, <laughs> and I, I I may be wrong here, but I believe it was an intentional. I, I, and maybe it is. I uh, I don't know. It it felt like from the first time you saw Jamie Foxx, Jamie Foxx, right? J- rapper, singer, actor. Yeah. He probably can dance. I don't know. I haven't seen it, but I assume he can. Yeah. Dude doesn't age. He's <laughs> one of the men with the most swagger on oh, yeah. this planet. Yeah, no, Jamie Foxx is, yeah. And they, like, make him have, like, parted hair and glasses. And he's just, he's not very oh, convincing. So, no, but and it's so silly. I know that it's so it's silly. So, and oh, in really, your, in yeah. your defense, um, Electro in general... Uh, he's a he's a villain in almost every in comics. Uh, nearly every Superman uh, video game, there's an Electro level. 
Uh, he he's all over the place, and he's campy every time, and he's <laughs> supposed to be. Yeah, he makes electric puns, so, right? Amazing. Like, wasn't that shocking? Yeah, amazing. All of that, amazing. So, and, and so, if they were leaning into that, I totally get it. Um, I I did. And, and again, <laughs> taking it a step further, I don't know if you noticed, but the final showdown when he's like zapping, I don't know if they're pipes, I forget what they are, uh, or like electrical something, and it's making different pitches of noise. If you listen close, the original Spider-Man <laughs> uh, song, Spider-Man, Spider-Man, does whatever a spider can, you hear, it, he zaps yeah. six times, and you hear, ba-ba-ba, ba-ba-ba. <laughs> and it, it's like, what? Do. And so my, 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 my argument in favor of the intentionality of that just, just over-the-top silliness is that what happens at the end of The Amazing Spider-Man 2? Spoilers? Spoilers. Gwen Stacy dies. Gwen Stacy dies. In the most, like, tragic... It was really good. It was really good. Really good. good. And that is... And uh, Gwen Stacy dying is a really, really big moment in Marvel Comics. Yeah. So that moment was important, and they did it Important, beautifully handled... Devastating, devastating, and like, and because of the chemistry, yeah, of the two. Of oh my them. gosh, you spent two yeah. movies falling in love with these characters, yeah. and at the end, you're like, are they gonna do it? Yeah. And they do, and they do it, and it is devastating. And and one of the and and I will that is actually one of my favorite mov- moments in any comic book movie at all. Because yeah. guess what? It seems to matter for yeah. a minute. Yeah, like no characters can die in any of these movies. But in Spider-Man, The Amazing Spider-Man 2, one of the two main characters, uh, arguably the character we've come to love the most yeah. out of all of the characters in, any, in both those movies, and maybe in any of the Spider-Man movies, dies. Yeah. Actually dies. Not like fake dies, but like actually is dead, dead, dead. Like, to like the point that probably like, broken back and head destroyed just something in yeah. like a brutal way. Yeah. Yeah. Brutally Dead, like dead, and 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 <laughs> not and she not die? and not coming back. Yeah, not coming back, and yeah. like that is a, was an incredibly cathartic moment. I, I felt more emotion, like more like feelings in that scene than any other comic book movie moment ever, because it mattered in a way that no other comic book moment has mattered. Yeah. Like it, it that, that like the the stakes actually you felt them. They landed. They were there. It like rooted you to reality in a way that no other movie could. So thank goodness for the canon that allowed them to kill a character. Yeah. Because uh, it's and like you said, it's one of the biggest moments in uh, why? Well, because nobody else dies. Mm-hmm. Like nobody else that you really care about dies permanently. Yeah, and it was in uh, in the comic books. In the comic books Gwen Stacy actually doesn't stay dead. Okay, well, you know what? <laughs> I'm sorry to ruin that for Thank you. Thank goodness we so have two movies I, I, that we can pull out of the universe of comic book movies and say in this particular iteration of comic bookdom, Gwen Stacy stays dead. It's true. Uh, as tragic it is, it is. It's good. Tragedy is good. I'm I'm guessing. I don't know. I Maybe it's in the trailer, but um, it, she's Spider-Gwen. 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 Spider Gwen, yeah. Doing so she Spider-Man. she becomes she's a Spider Man in a different in a different sure. universe. Uh, anyway, <sighs> yes. In that in that moment, uh, I was really curious to see if they would kill off Gwen Stacy uh, because the way that it was in the comics was Gwen was the original love interest. She dies, and then MJ comes. Yeah. And Peter Parker does never he never tells MJ because. That's what got Gwen right. Stacy killed, yeah. right? So, yeah. so I was like, I was like, ooh, sense. cool. And then they're gonna make a third one. MJ is gonna be introduced. Yeah. But she, then Marvel's like, sorry, we're a juggernaut. <laughs> well, she, MJ was cast. Shailene Woodley filmed yeah. some as MJ. Yeah. It was like, and the Sinister Six was set up and all of that. Yeah. What's weird to me is that the Amazing Spider-Man Two still made seven hundred million dollars. Yeah. But it was competing too directly. Um, but with it, the but rest yeah, of the and so and so it hopped over. Which is which brings us to. Uh, Homecoming. Yes, Spider-Man Homecoming. Spider-Man. Well, technically, it brings us to uh, Captain America, America Civil, Civil War. War. Yeah. yeah. Um, which is when we're introduced to Tom Holland in wonderful fashion. Oh, wonderful, charming one of, fashion. One of my favorite scenes 
in in uh, well yeah. superhero movies. Yeah, yeah. You, you so love good. you love the big airport battle scene, and it is super fun. No, I was talking it about is. Queens. I was oh. talking about when Tony Stark goes and oh yeah, and and talks to Peter Parker in yes. his oh in his you're apartment. right. Yes, agreed. Yes, uh, but I do love that airport scene. That airport scene is great. <laughs> um, yeah, no. So this is this is such a great. So th- once again, this sort of harks back to how good Disney has been at handling. And I say Disney, Kevin Feige, whoever you want to talk to, talk about, how good they are at handling this IP. Yeah. Because what was everybody saying when that was when when Tom Holland had been had been introduced as Spider Man? They got it right. Yeah. They got it right. This is a Spider Man everybody was waiting for. This is the Spider Man everybody was expecting. And once again, we you know we've already had the conversation about why it's okay that you have Spider Man movies with Spider Man who were not what you were necessarily expecting. But yeah. this one, he was. Yeah. Right. Yes, he was. Uh, he was. It was almost the exact opposite as Tobey Maguire, mm-hmm. where the quippiness is solid with Tom Holland. Yeah. Uh, the nerdiness, not as much. Uh, like I don't know. You don't. You don't look like Tom Holland, and and you're an outcast. <laughs> well, in you can't be in a, You can't be a movie star in a market. <laughs> it's true. Without looking pretty dang good. <laughs> but but yeah. I mean he uh, he's he's extremely smart. He's genius level without being unapproachable. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's 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 quippy, but not in an adult way. Yeah. Uh, he's he's quip- a teenager. He's a teenager through and through. Yeah. Uh, he wears a charming teenager. He wears his yellow school jacket, math mathlete jacket, uh, over his Spider-Man yeah. uniform, I guess yeah. costume. So I, I just, I really, I don't know. I was really, I really enjoyed Tom Holland from day one. Agreed. Uh, the biggest thing being that he he felt like a kid from the moment you meet him in Queens. The yes. way he talks about his math homework, yeah. the way he's like, I can't, I can't go to Germany. Yeah. I have homework, yeah. and just from da- from every every conversation Tom Holland has it's as Spider Man is just so convincing yeah. and lovely. He never feels like a thirty year old playing a high schooler. He feels no. he feels like a kid. Yeah, and and that's Tobey Maguire so and Andrew Garfield were too old. Yeah, no, they, absolutely. It, finally, I mean, were I mean, how many how many high school movies and TV shows are cast with mostly thirties thirty year olds? Like most of them. Hashtag CW. Yeah, CW is <laughs> still doing it still right doing now. It. Yeah, they are right now <laughs> filming TV series with thirty yeah. year olds acting like high schoolers uh, right Dale. now. Yes. Yes. So, uh, like, as we speak, <laughs> and as you're listening, all the time they are. All the time they are doing this. So, you know, the studios can be forgiven for doing the same thing. But And Tom Holland, uh, let the record show, is not actually a teenager either, but seems much more like a teenager than yeah. most of the actors that you see. So, okay. Um, Spider-Man Homecoming. So much fun. So yeah. much fun. Yeah. I think is one of, one of the better Marvel movies, I would say. Um, uh, yeah, and I think one of the for big, lots of reasons. Yeah, one of the biggest reasons being the the, the absurd villain in the Vulture mm-hmm. was made really good, and Michael Keaton yeah. is great. Michael Keaton is so intimidating, so good, and not intimidating because he's got lots of powerful technology, and not intimidating because he's some super evil dude, but intimidating because he's a very powerful personality yeah. who has a very strong opinion. A very grounded and justified opinion about how things should go. And, like, that makes him intimidating. He's intimidating, and this is critical, he's intimidating to us vicariously through Tom Holland because he is the girlfriend's dad. Yeah. And he is a scary dad. Not because he's, like, loud and whatever, but because he's he's a big, strong father figure with, like, who you can tell is capable of violence, so, which is terrifying yeah. if you're going to date a girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I did have a problem. One of my biggest problems with, with franchises in general, uh, starting with Star Wars, is how every character has to be related to another character. And I remember when uh, that moment in Spider-Man Homecoming when Michael Keaton opens the door, mm-hmm. I was like, uh, oh, no. You know Boo! What? And then maybe 
five minutes later when they're in the car and he's just looking, Michael Keaton's looking over his shoulder yeah. and giving a little speech. It's like the ultimate <laughs> don't have sex with my daughter speech <laughs> ever. Yes. I was I was convinced then. I was like, okay, this there's a reason that he is uh, MJ's, uh, MJ's dad. Like there's a reason for it. Not MJ's dad. Uh, is it not MJ? No, it's not MJ. His the girl he likes in school uh, is um, oh, this is unfortunate. Hold on. It, no, MJ is the other is the is the other is the the girl in his um, in his mathletes whatever group. No debate debate club. Sorry, is it debate club? Oh, that's right. She joins. Yeah. It's yeah, 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 Michelle. They call her. There's a connect. I know that there's a connection, and I'll and we can I'll, I'll maybe post about it on Facebook yeah. so later. But I know I know that. I know that that's I not think, I think Mary name, Jane. No, yeah, no. I think her name is Liz in the in the movie. I think that yeah, it's it, it, her. Yeah, her name is Liz. She's played by Laura Harrier. Anyway, um, you know, M- MJ is actually played by Zendaya, Zendaya uh, and her name in the movie is Michelle. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Is, Zen, is Zendaya not the one that he takes to Homecoming? No, no. That's man. Laura, apparently, I need Laura to, Harrier. You I need were to, not paying attention. I need to rewatch this movie. <laughs> yeah, no, it's she is not. She is not MJ. Uh, oh, I'm looking at a picture. I remember now. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. My bad. My bad. Anyway, so not MJ's dad. So it, it's actually so. It so actually to, makes it a little yeah, bit better to quell yeah. your frustration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, basically, what happens is uh, Peter Parker accidentally falls and falls for has a giant giant crush on a random girl who happens to. Not yeah. an MJ, not a Gwen Stacy. Just yeah, yeah. another, that's, another that's girl. That's a little bit better. Yeah. Who happens to be the daughter yeah. of the villain. Regardless, yes. the scene in the car. Oh, the scene in the car is, is, one, of the most, is one of the most menacing scenes yeah. in any comic book movie because it's a grown-ass man <laughs> yeah. threatening to kill a, teen- a, hi- a teenage boy. Yeah. And like, and you believe it, and if a hundred percent, you believe it a hundred percent, and, and he tries to later, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it's a, uh, it's, it's, it's a great, it's a great scene, and there's, it's, it's quiet, and it's contained, yeah. and it's perfectly set up, and it is the perfect sort of like big moment, moment of decision for the main character. It's a really, really, really good scene, and that movie. Um, so not only is that, I think it's great storytelling. It's great. It's, it's, it's a great cast. It's uh it's really funny. It's yeah. really, really funny. Yeah. I think the two funniest movies in the uh, Marvel Universe are probably Thor Ragnarok and Spider-Man Homecoming. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy? Great, but I, I would put maybe maybe number three. I'd, I'd, there, will, uh, there will be people, including me, question mark, uh, that disagree that, that, that Guardians of the Galaxy I'm is not a big James Gunn funny. fan, but that's a conversation okay. for a different day. Uh, can, I, can I nerd out like pretty good right now? Oh, please. So... People say that Michael Keaton is the ultimate Batman. You want to know why? Why? Because one of the famous Batman lines is, you either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become a villain. Yeah. And Michael Keaton did that. He was Batman, and he lived long <laughs> enough to see himself become a villain. That's true. So Michael Keaton correct. is the ultimate Batman. <laughs> I love, that's very nice. Very nice. Uh, there's CJ, your, there's your major that. nerdism for the day. Okay, so I think we are finished talking about Spider-Man movies. Um, next week we will be talking about Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Um, and we, uh, we're, we're running up on, on the time that we gave ourselves today. Um, but, but before we go, we do need to talk just a little tiny bit about Die Hard. Yeah, Die Hard. <laughs> That's right. Yes. We, we... Die Hard, the uh, one of the one of the premier <laughs> Christmas movies. Christmas movies. Which I heard recently that Bruce Willis himself is frustrated that people think about the Christmas <laughs> movie. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, he, he brought up in his roast that Die Hard is not a Christmas movie. But Bruce, it is. It is. It is yeah. a Christmas movie. It takes yeah. place. During Christmas. Yeah. You don't get to you, take place during Christmas without being a Christmas movie. Ho, ho, ho is mentioned. <laughs> it's a Christmas movie. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Die Hard, is, to be fair, I'm not going to watch Die Hard to have the feel goods of Christmas. I am. <laughs> <laughs> but I will watch Die Hard uh, around Christmas because it is it is such a fun movie. Yeah. Yeah, um, it really is. Yeah. It's one of the, uh, and I think we've, we've discussed this movie pops up in conversation when we're talking about like what, so when you have, when you, 
put the thing on the table saying like why don't they make movies the way they used to like why don't why are movies not as good as they used to be and when you take when you come from a writer's perspective um you 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 have a tendency to point at movies from the 80s and 90s and say like those are examples of really 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 well-built screenplays um and they're classics because they were written the way they were. And, of course, executed phenomenally and cast phenomenally. I mean, there, you can't have another um, jo- John McClane. Like, there's no yeah. there's nobody. That nor nor Hans Gruber. It. No, exactly. Yeah. Yes. Um, uh, so, yes. But so, so Die Hard is uh, a fantastically written movie, um, almost perfectly plotted, um, with this great just classic, classic Hollywood arc storytelling that I like defy you to find movies that don't succeed when they play those cards right. Yeah. And they, and it just, it just totally does. Like, I, I mean, one of the best, one of the best and most iconic scenes of, you know, Die Hard is when they're, you know, they're chasing him down. There's this big shootout. And, um, as they're, you know, it sort of standing off a little bit, um, one of the one of the villains says, "Shoot out all the glass." Yeah, yeah. You know? Hans Gruber says that. Yeah, it's yeah. it's a, it's such a smart villain choice, yeah. right? And it's terrible, and it's and you fe- and it's it's such a it's such a hard thing to watch this big strong protagonist not have shoes, having to walk over broken glass, not in a like, oh, I'm so hardcore, but like in a, I'm gonna die. Yeah, I'm having to save my life by walking over broken glass, and then seeing him having to pick glass out of his feet. In the bathroom, yeah. and that like bringing the hero low, you know, like you prove. Okay, we know this guy is capable. Like, he's a strong guy. He's moral. He's you know he's got something to fight for, etc. Like you set him up as like that kind of a character, but then you make him, you put him all the way down before you let him rise back up mm-hmm. and 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 defeat the the villain. And it's it's done so well. Anyway, so that there's lot there's lots of things that we could talk about in just in terms of like a really strong storytelling standpoint. But I, I love that they said it during Christmas. Yeah, like it's it's <laughs> a, it's such a it's such a smart move. It's so um, I mean, it not only works for the plot, but also like it, it's one of the reasons that it stands out, right? Like Die Hard, this like classic action movie, is taking place in maybe the least violent time of the year. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it, and it's, it, it takes place in uh, maybe a more extreme circumstance, but in a circumstance that a lot of adults have found themselves, right? It's like a company Christmas party. Yeah. Every, everyone's, you know, adults have been to company Christmas parties. <laughs> and it's like, and, and you might even think to yourself, I wish something interesting would happen. But, <laughs> but and then this, this happened. But not, not that. This. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I was going to bring up the uh, the intelligence of Hans Gruber, and that being one of one of the movie's biggest strengths. Yeah. And like uh, when when he runs into John McClane uh, and and without a gun, and realizes that they've never actually he's never seen him. Yeah. So he plays a victim. Yeah. Uh, uh, he's, yeah, he's a really he good does, villain. He's a really good a villain. Really good villain. And really, really smart, um, and and a great match, and not mean for the sake of being mean. No. He like he wants something, yeah, and and he's going to do everything that he can to get it. Just yeah. as much as John McClane is going to do everything he can to not let him. And it wasn't even that he's like going to stop the bad guys. It's like I'm going to like survive, yeah, and hopefully keep my wife, ex-wife, wife, yeah. Well, one of one of the things that I one of the other things I love about just the character dynamic there is here's um, or I should say the the thematic the thematic uh, uh, reasoning behind setting it in Christmas um, with that kind of a character. Um, so so it's set during Christmas, and you know it's not cavalier. It's not like oh, well, it could be during a Christmas party. It it matters because what does Christmas represent? Christmas represents peace. It represents um, gratitude. It represents uh, a generosity of spirit in giving, right? Selflessness, right? Like, and here comes Hans Gruber with his team of merry men, right? Yeah. Like, to kill a bunch of people, to be like to violently take something over for the sake of what? Greed. Mm. And John McClane calls him out on it near the end of the movie. It's just about money. It's always just about money. Like, you're just a greedy person. 
You just you're you're here to steal a bunch of money. That's literally the only reason you're here. And and Hans Gruber is so smart and he's so interesting and he's so charismatic and he's so et cetera, et cetera, and he seems like he's got this like high ideal or whatever, right? He's like he's this grand villain. But no, he's just a thief. He's just a thief on Christmas. And so it's it's a really ah, it's such a good dynamic. And you feel it. So you feel the violence more. And you feel the nefariousness of the villain more, mm-hmm. and you feel the desperation of the situation more because it's Christmas, and you're supposed to be able to like enjoy time with your family. But instead, he's like, you know, our hero is trying to survive and save like the person he loves from this like mountainous, this mountain of like greed and like avarice. Interesting. Anyway, That's cool. I really never, I never thought about it that way. It's a really, it's a really good movie. Okay, yeah. we need to end. All right, let's end. Um, I, I, I apologize. I'm, I'm, I'm doing the thing where I rant and then I say, okay, now we're done. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, uh, I'm good. I like Die Hard. That's the, those are the end of, <laughs> end of my thoughts. Good. All right. Well, so um, the business of the day is yes. uh, we have not received a reply, I believe, from Drew Manchu. Uh, Drew Manchu, I believe it's 05. Drew Manchu 05. If you are listening right now, please email, email cj email. at realcontender.com to let him know what your address is so that he can send you your grand prize yeah. that you won from our raffle. Yes, uh, Superman Cufflinks and Tie Bar. I have them with me right now. We will give you I just need to send them to you. one more week to do that. If we have not heard from you, Drew Manchu... By the time that we record into the Spider-Verse... Then we are going to redraw the raffle. Redraw, yep. Yep, yep, yep. expect that by next week, Um, which for all the the rest of you who have left reviews, uh, that's good news for you. Yeah. Uh, If, you know, Drew Manchu flakes out. Yeah. Drew Manchu, maybe you just don't like, you don't like the prize, and that's fine. Someone else will. And, and if you are listening now and you're like, oh, I didn't leave a review by the time. Leave a review. <laughs> well, you, you can still you know be involved. Yeah, we'll, we'll open it back up. If yeah, yeah. you doesn't. Uh, well, you, yeah. Then, yeah, we can we can open it back up. Um, thank you, Michael Bonmiller, for the music. Yes. The intro and outro music. Delightful, delightful. Uh, and if you want to hear any movie specifically talked about, uh, then you can email us. Uh, at CJ at real email me at CJ at real um, The movie Whiplash has been has been requested. Oh, uh, so I would be happy to do that one. Yeah, I'm thinking uh, I'm thinking in the the Oscar talk that that we at least mention that movie. Yeah, sure. It is I mean, one of my favorites. Older, too old to receive an Oscar. This next, not, yeah, go not around. this year. But but it is <laughs> yes. when we're talking about movies that have won Oscars. Yes, that's potentially, true. That's we, true. We talk about that. Also, First Man will probably get nominated, and there's a tie there. That's true. That's true. Anyway, uh, thank you everybody for for listening. Um, go, go go ahead. Okay, you, you can do it. Okay. Remember. <laughs> To love movies like a nerd and respect them like a critic. And cut.